0: Welcome to Paratalk. On this episode, I'm joined by Nigel and Juliet of Out There Paranormal.
1: Hi! Hi. Thank you for having us on. Yeah, it's great.
0: It's an interesting show this week because you're kind of a duo, so you kind of do a little bit of both things. Um
2: My first question, jumping straight in, Out There Paranormal, how, how did that come about? Okay, right. Um, Yeah, I, I'm really one of the founders of the group. I started investigating seriously in about 2008 with another group called Great Yarmouth Paranormal Investigators. And um, unfortunately, we had a paranormal fallout. (laughs) (laughs) Like musicians do, you know, we disagree on certain elements of the paranormal. So um, three of us broke away and formed our own group. Um, Couldn't make our minds of what to call ourselves. Uh, So what we're actually doing, I'm looking to find out what's out there and that's it. It kind of stuck. So we came out there paranormal, and ever since then, we've just been going about, mostly locally, looking at um, my local folklore, mystery tales, ghosts, and all that kind of stuff, investigating what we can actually find. But we like to look more at the whole thing, rather than just go out on a little ghost hunt, we are more paranormal researchers and investigators, so... I tend to do an awful lot of research in the venues that we're going to. We'll then go and investigate. Mm. If we do experience any phenomena whatsoever, then we'll make a note of it, go back, and then I'll do some more research to see if we can find an explanation for it. We also then like to tell the history of the sites that we visit because I think it's really important to tie the two together. It's not just about investigating. It's about telling the stories too. But then again, it's throwing it open to an audience and saying, well, this is the history of the place. This is what's happened. And then we say, what do you think? So we have a look through everything that we do, and then we like to throw it over to a respective audience to see what they think of what we've done. So we're very visual. We have a YouTube channel that we use. And in recently, in the last sort of 18 months or so, we've started a podcast channel as well. where we're sort of telling stories and talking about various dif- different aspects of the paranormal. So that's as far as out there goes. Yeah. Um, we are There are five of us in the group, actually, but you yeah. will only see – me and Jules, because we do most of the work. Um, In fact, since lockdown, it's only been me and Jules doing the work because we were in a bubble together so we could actually keep seeing each other, providing support throughout the lockdown period. And um, we just carried on from there. So, And we seem to work quite well. We We do. I
1: mean, I joined the group about, sort of, what, 10, 11 years ago?
2: Yeah, you did, yeah.
1: It's quite a long time ago now, isn't it? Gosh, time flies, time flies. certainly does. (laughs) I met Nigel actually at a euphoria group a ufo um research group that we were both interested in we got talking on facebook and it kind of went from there really and i was invited out because i said i had psychic abilities and i just said do you want to come along for an investigation i'd leapt at the chance because you know i've always had an interest i've always had what I class as psychic abilities, but I'd never really done much with it other than experience phenomena that I couldn't explain. So when Nigel said, come out with us, I jumped at the chance, I did an investigation with them and Nigel was quite impressed with what I could do. So he invited me to join the group, which was a great honor because out there has got um, a very good reputation out there. (laughs) excuse the pun Um, in the marketplace for for being sort of a high caliber paranormal investigation group you know it's the group isn't in it for the scares although that's that's part of the experience but we focus a lot on the history we focus a lot on what things could be as Nigel said I don't need to go into it in any more detail but there's a lot a lot that goes on behind the scenes not just checking out haunted locations which is a bit I absolutely love really enjoy it but, you know, we, we, yeah.
2: You are an out-and-out investigator, aren't you? Yeah, love I love it. You love actually getting outside and doing it. You know, how
1: things? many people on a Saturday night, most people on a Saturday night, let's go down the pub for a drink. Yeah. You know? Juliet and Nigel, let's go to a spooky haunted forest and see what happens. Why not? <laughs> we took you out for a
2: treat last weekend, didn't <laughs> we? Said, yeah. What's, um, t- we've got someone to go to us. Where are we going? It's yeah. a secret. End are, up- are
1: we going out to, to for some food, going to a nice pub or something? No. We go in the middle of nowhere to an old airfield.
2: To drive around an old airfield. But you (laughs) know what? It's
1: absolutely fascinating because you're coming across things that just get lost completely in time. You know, there's so much, particularly in Norfolk. Um, you know, left over from World War II and you know the American Air Base, people that came over the military and the B-17 bombers. I mean there's so much history and it's slowly disappearing. So yeah. you know, not only do we focus on the paranormal side of it and the oohs and the ahs and, and, and the spooks, we tell people stories. We tell the stories of, of you know airmen that, that, that perhaps went off um, on a B-17, terrified they were never going to be seen again they wouldn't come home so it's quite an emotive subject as well And we like their stories to be told and just for people to remember and we did D Green when was it a couple of years ago
2: yeah before just a just the lockdown it started it was was
1: wonderful because we actually got a commendation from the 452nd bomb group yeah in the United States which was absolutely wonderful because when you're putting things out there you have to be aware that the relatives are still alive. And, you know, it's a sensitive subject. So to get a commendation from, you know, a bomb group from from military personnel, relatives, people, even, you know, the older generation that were there that served there during the Second World to say, we love what you did.
2: Thank you so much that's for reminding biggest, people of what was there. That's yeah. the biggest
1: gift to us, yeah. you know. It, it really, really is, it is just to know. It is people
2: buying into it, isn't it? It is the fact that yeah. we want people to buy into it. And it isn't just a case of, I mean, um, one of my pet hates is when you go on to, and it's especially prevalent on Facebook, because when you go on and see these lives where people are going out and they're breaking into an abandoned building and they'll jump up and down and shout, woo, ghost, what, it's a demon, and it's, it's all for like likes mm. and stars but a lot of that, like that. a yeah. lot
1: of that is for ratings isn't yeah. it, it it's there's... it's people love to be scared people love to watch it and it ups the ratings but there's
2: nothing there there's there's yeah. no sort of explanation yeah. as to but why they're in that building isn't it?
1: yeah but it's, it's the wrong kind of entertainment, yeah. That's <laughs> kind of entertainment. Yeah. <laughs> we're completely different
2: <laughs> we can no. start arguing by the way so no no sorry no, 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 no. <laughs> it's just
1: what we do is completely different there's yeah. there's different markets there's a market for entertainment and you know bangs and knocks that happen every yeah, single yeah. week on, on television, and we know the leading paranormal shows that do that. Some are fab, some are not so fab, you know. But we are a little bit more scientific in what we do, yeah. We kind
2: of drop in the middle, don't well, we?
1: Well, you are because you're more into the scientific bits than me, yeah. I'm You've more into all, looking. I just like, got all the kit.
2: I like having evidence, I will look at evidence. Yeah. Um, I'll give as much information as I can when we're out investigating, so you'll hear a noise. Okay, most people just say, Oh, there's a noise. I'll be like, Oh, there's a noise. Okay, what's the temperature? Yeah, you know, did we have a meter running? Was there like an uh, uh, EMF spike at all? You're looking at the other stuff that goes with it because gathering evidence is important. If you're going to try and prove that there is something around, then you're going to need to have as much evidence as you can possibly get
1: and repeat the experience as well. Exactly,
2: yeah, you need to be able to go back and say, Okay, when this happened, we had this, 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 Mm. this, and this as well there you go lay out and say here's our evidence what do you think so that's really what we're trying to do
0: have you ever been sort of uh, when you've done an investigation have you ever gone somewhere and then realized that possibly you know there's more going on in the environment than you thought there might be or have you ever been in a situation where you've started to get quite worried about what was going on
1: Worried.
2: Um, the only one that recently worried recently, I would yeah. say, would be Saint Mary's at East Somerton,
1: that. with
2: the explosions.
1: Gosh, that that was bizarre.
2: Really weird experience. Yeah, um, we nice. started filming uh, another short series called Tales from Haunted Norfolk, and we were like telling local sort of folklore tales that are, like ghost stories and things attached yeah. to them. And there's a local site called St Mary's Church at East Somerton. It's a ruined church; it's been ruined since the 17th century. And there's this, it's got this folklore tale attached to it about a witch who's buried in the church, and this oak tree grew up out of a wooden leg and destroyed the church. So we'd filmed this, we'd told the story, filmed that bit. So we went back to do an investigation, which is what we're trying to do with the series: tell the stories, go to the site, do an investigation, see what we find out. Yeah. And we went to East Somerton, and we were there. We set everything up, and it was. It was quiet. You got a sense there was something there that didn't like you, didn't you? They didn't want you there.
1: Yeah, but I mean, it's it was more the fact I was female more than anything.
2: I think it was the fact they didn't want you mm-hmm. in the church. Mm-hmm. But then we're standing there listening because suddenly heard this voice in the distance like shouting. Yeah. Going, yeah, yeah. And we're like,
1: what the hell was that? We, yeah, we thought it was people mucking around. About. To be honest, so we got ready to mean, pack right, our yeah. kit
2: up, and go because the last thing you want is like locals sort of turning up and giving you grief. So I we thought we'll get ready to go in case anybody turns yeah. up. And then all of a sudden we heard a sound like gunfire. And we're like, what the hell is that?
1: We started recording, didn't we? I we said, did. Quick, get the digital recorder I set the digital
2: recorder up. As soon as we started and yeah. I said, we're going to record this because it may yeah. be something really weird. The gunfire stopped. And it would sound like rolling explosions. It sounded like bombs going off Yeah. in the distance. We immediately thought fireworks. Mm hmm. You Know it's got to be fireworks, and
1: there, there was no. I mean, what time was it? It was about, it was about
2: nine o'clock, wasn't was it? it? Was it oh, a bit later? It might be a bit later than actually, it might have been about half nine ten. So, o'clock. It's,
1: it's not going to be sort of shooting grouse or yeah. anything as, as folk like to do. Um, around, I mean, we cars. have
2: got the recording of the noises yeah. that we can send through to you if you'd like to sort of tag it onto here as it's well. Very... So, you can, like,
0: yeah, yeah, uh, yeah do I'll, I'll put that on yeah. the end of right. the episode. Yeah, exactly um, anything, but
2: like it sounded that, like yeah. just like bombs going off and it really threw us. We just were not expecting this at all. We were shocked. You know, we were in church thinking, there'd been stories about um, mysterious monks pushing people and you could hear them chanting and stuff like that. So we thought, oh, we might encounter a mysterious monk. But instead we got these weird bomb explosions. So anyway, I go back and do some research. I would remember something about the site, because I'd researched it prior to going, that during World War II, it was a decoy site for Great Yarmouth. What they did was, um, when Yarmouth was bombed, it was a quite an important port in World War II, when Yarmouth was attacked, they put the fires out as quickly as they could. Then they'd set fire to these canisters in the field next door to this ruined church, in the hope that it would confuse the German planes into bombing the decoy. Uh, yeah. So we thought, are we in some kind of weird time slip where... It's bombs going off on this decoy. And we're like, nah, that can't be that. That's mm. bonkers. It's got to be fireworks. Yeah,
1: yeah. But so, we would have seen them. We? we
2: would have seen them. Yeah, we couldn't see anything. That's no, we didn't see any nothing. fireworks going off. And it didn't sound like any fireworks. You always get, they hear that noise.
1: And it was the intermittent. So you get boom,
2: boom, boom, hmm. boom. It was like rolling, rolling it thunder like, yeah. It
1: sounded like yeah. bombs dropping. But we, we just had no idea. We, we went through everything we possibly could. Could it be this? Could it be that? Could it be this? Trying to to break it down and justify just what it could be you know i even thought about because at great yarmouth off the coast they're putting in um windmills Uh, wind
2: turbines wind turbines
1: sorry they're putting those in and i thought could they be working on those so nigel went off did the research no they weren't working on those at that particular time because sound can travel especially when things are hitting the ground you know quite surprisingly some could travel quite some distance. Yeah. So we and were looking further afield. It's a very
2: flat landscape as yeah. well. We're yeah. talking Norfolk here and it's very flat and you're quite close to the coast as well. Um, yeah. The actual sea itself is about a mile away from where this church is. So we did some research, didn't we? Mm. And I decided to look at the Imperial War Museum um, bombing charts or bombing things from World War II to see whether or not there'd been any bombing raids on the night that we were actually looking at this decoy. And there were... Three night, three consecutive nights at Yarmouth. It was bombed on that three date. consecutive nights on the same date that we were at the site. At night, yeah. So you're then thinking to yourself, is this some kind of mad coincidence, or did we actually hear something? So that, that was interesting,
1: yeah. and it threw us completely because really they've never. I mean, you did the research. You said you'd never come across anybody saying they'd heard anything. No. Anybody that was no gone to that site, the site before. historically, they've never. It's never been documented anywhere. So. We just don't know what it could be. No. <laughs> we really don't.
2: So it is in that box like, what the hell, box? Because but it just, just opened
1: just... up a can of worms, didn't it? Yeah. We, we were trying to figure out what on earth it could be.
2: So strange. When you had this phenomenon, did you
0: experience any other sort of uh, environmental, environmental phenomenon at the same time? We're changing the, you know, the, a change in the atmosphere, a change no, in the...
1: No, we didn't No, we, at we all. didn't, yeah. Your little meter that...
2: Yeah, we did. I mean, we it. did... Um... We did some calling out sessions after we'd done this. Yeah. And um, when I'm out in outdoor locations, I've got a meter called a Trifield Natural That's um, EM meter. That's the one. It actually sort yeah. of um, registers natural um, electronic fields rather than like your normal um, stuff like mail meters and things like that, doing man made fields. Mm-hmm. And we had this set up and it went off. So then we started asking questions to see if we could get it to respond, and it did respond. To answer some of the questions it
1: responded on command which so, was quite yeah. interesting
2: but it wouldn't respond to you no but it would respond to me which was really really odd so we did have that as well
1: mm. but
2: whether it's tied in with the other bit we don't know as far as um temperature and other fluctuations go it it didn't change no. it, it got relatively cold towards the end of the night because we're talking about april so it was getting colder
1: yeah
2: it was a fairly constant temperature yeah, yeah. and as far as you you it's an um Abandoned area, so it's got no electricity or anything there. So running something like a, a mill meter or something yeah. like that, it's not going to show you anything. It's going to be flat all night, which is what it was. So mm-hmm. Because there's actually no man-made fields occurring there. So, yeah, we didn't have anything.
0: Else. Nigel, I, I know that you're quite uh, sceptical, uh, which is good, because I am uh, a little bit yeah. on that fence as well. Uh, but, Juliet, I'm interested to ask you uh, regarding uh mm-hmm. the psychic side of things uh, I, I i how does that work i mean for you because I, I get the impression that anyone that has these kind of um sensitive feelings or however you describe it how does it actually work for you because everybody seems to have it slightly differently
1: they do and it's incredibly interesting because i've spoken to other sensitive people or, or psychic people um i've had the ability to what i to experience what i experienced since the age of about five or six um when i was brought up in a very old farmhouse which was allegedly haunted and unbeknown to me when my father went to purchase the house um the locals said to my father whatever you do don't buy that house it's haunted and my father's you know big disbeliever what a load of rubbish it's good price we're going to buy this house So very strange things happened within that house, um, but they seemed to happen more to me than anybody else. And as a child, I didn't really think much of it. I saw things. I had experiences there, which I cannot explain, but I was never frightened or unnerved by it. To me, it was normal because that kind of side of things is my normal. Um, As I got older, it spiralled a little bit because I didn't have a hold of it. And I was getting things all the time, sensing things all the time. And at one point, you know, I thought I was going crazy. I thought, "Is, is there something wrong with me? And I actually went to another psychic at the time when I was probably in my early 30s, who gave me a lot of tools, if you like, to be able to control it and ground myself, which is absolutely crucial um when you do have these abilities um to be able to get control of it otherwise you know sensitive psychics whatever you want to call them um it's exhausting um because it's almost like an energy is or you're channeling through an energy all the time or, or spirits can take your energy all the time to communicate if they wish to so you you've got to ground yourself with it that is really really important um I get, um, I can hear things sometimes, very seldom do I see, although I have seen, um, sight of of anything paranormal or supposedly paranormal um, doesn't always occur to me. I can sense them, I feel them. I get images when they're communicating almost like pictures or I get movies that play back in my head is the best way I can describe it. Um, And they show me different things sometimes. And I found this and I think other psychics would agree with me. um, Sometimes we get the information wrong and it's not because the information that is coming through to us is incorrect. It's how we interpret it that can often be wrong. Um, Sometimes, for example, I will get an image of a person. Perhaps they died in their 80s, but they will show themselves in their 20s or 30s um, in, in a time in life when they're at their happiest. And that can happen. So when you talk to somebody, you say, oh, well, I'm, I'm seeing this person and, you know, they're dressed like this and they look like this, people will cut off and say, well, you know, that wasn't my grandmother because, you know, she died in her 80s. And, you know, so, so they will often, that can cause confusion because they will often show themselves how they want to be seen. Um, That's another thing. Um, So there's a lot of stumbling blocks in in doing what I do. But I'm also interested in the science around it as well. I mean, one of the things I'm fascinated by um, is quantum theory and the string theory Mm -hmm. and parallel dimensions coexisting at the same time. Um, My interest in that is because paranormal experiences only last for a minute two minutes something like that you you never get them for days years hours it you know experiences tend to be a fleeting glimpse or a fleeting experience oh i thought i saw something there was an old lady at, my, at the end of my bed and she faded away one of my theories and i was talking to evelyn hollow
2: yeah about this hollow about this
1: yeah um who who did uncanny um she, fabulous lady very very interesting really
2: interesting yeah um
1: i was talking to her about this because my theory is that perhaps it's just our dimension overlapping with perhaps a past dimension or whatever particular reason, just for a few fleeting moments. And we interpret that as a ghost or something paranormal, but actually maybe it isn't, you know, maybe, mm. maybe it's just a different dimension that that's overlapping with our own dimension because it doesn't last for very long. And I've always questioned that. I've always wondered, I don't know how I get, um, what i get and how it how it works i wish i did i i don't think any any mediums you know the only way you're gonna know is if you die quite frankly i i think yeah. We've, yeah. we've all got theories on how it works and a lot of mediums and psychics will say you know I, I i i make a huge experience in this and i know all the answers fact is we don't none of us do you know and we're all trying to look for the answers
0: i think um what you what you touch on there is kind of the many worlds theory where yeah. you yeah. know we live we live in a, a many there's many of us out there and we're all living our lives and we you know we all live our lives slightly differently and sometimes those veils uh overlap and we get a peek of whatever it might be and you know what we perceive as a ghost is something that might be just living its life in a, a, another time and a, you know another era um yeah so there's a possibility and that these locations that are built around the world that you say oh that's a really haunted location it's not it's just that that's a crossing point that's where the veil thins a little bit so that you get more of that activity going on but uh, what what you touch on there regarding um, uh, you know with with psychic abilities and having impressions in the mind I think that I've always believed um, I, I spoke about this last last night I did a live stream and Uh, we were talking about psychics and mediums and that the words have been used so much now with with the advent of television. And it's kind of going on to my next uh, question is bringing in uh, TV. And when I say TV, I mean, you know, actually on the TV. Mm -hmm. And uh, you get these shows that come on that that have to make money to, to stay doing what they're doing. You have a lot of people that come on and uh, I'm not, I'm a professional. I'm not going to name any names, but Mm -hmm. you have people that come on and they're a psychic or they're a medium and uh it, it, some of the things they say it, it, it some of the times it turns into a little bit of a comedy yeah. and and i does that does that have a, a a bounce back effect on someone like yourself who is is trying to do the best they can with the you know the abilities they've yeah. got and trying to interpret what they've got but if you've got somebody running around saying oh yes it's this and it's yeah. that and it was definitely this and and they're on the telly and it's the average the average person you're correct. The paranormal is very rare. It's very rare for it to happen all the time. And whatever does happen will only happen for a slight yes. moment. But if you've got someone running around with all this craziness going on, the, you know, Joe Public is going to look at someone and says, oh, you're a psychic, are you? All right, then. Well, tell me something. Tell me the lottery number. Yes, absolutely. Uh, yeah.
1: And that happens a lot. It I mean, does. I I get a lot of people challenge me, but the way I handle that is is I say, okay, you know, bring it on. I, I welcome it. Anybody that, that wants to you know in the nicest way not in a horrible way um hair down my abilities and question that that's fine by me because i question it myself you know i question what i do myself i would love to know um where it all comes from and it's i think it's very healthy uh for people to question you know i i don't have a problem with that i do have a problem with certain uh television shows but again you have to take it as entertainment a lot of these shows on television are for entertainment it's you know put on you know after nine o'clock at night to scare people silly which is what people want to see and that's fine you know Mm. quite often i've sat there on a saturday night you know and watched some of them you know because i feel like a bit of a scare but on you know legitimate paranormal investigations you don't get a scare every week you know we've gone to places and we stood there all night getting freezing cold in the middle of nowhere and nothing's got happened. Nothing. That's happened a lot. <laughs> it
2: has happened a lot. Yeah, it it's really happened happens. a lot. Yeah. But,
1: you know, most occasions we get very little. And when we do get something, most of the time it can be explained. I mean, Nigel, you can explain paradolia and things like that. Yeah, I mean, you? there's
2: always going to be an explanation for it. Um, looking at photographs, you've got a picture, you see a face.
1: What is that? Can you see that
2: face in the picture? You have to take into account that there's lots of objects in that picture that are all joined together and your brain is matrix, matrixing them into something because um, we're programmed for pattern recognition. We're looking for um, obvious shapes in yeah. random patterns, pareidolia. Um, it's all part of our fight or flight um, mechanism. We're very, very primitive animals. People don't realise think I we're sophisticated, yeah. but right underneath all this all is really the basic ape. The Some more than we others. Were. <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> were, you, were you looking at me when you said that, George? No,
1: of course not.
2: But people don't understand that we are very, very primitive. We are very, very basic yeah. and we still have this um, programmed into us. Mm. Babies pro, babies always look towards a face because they're programmed to recognise faces. So we keep that throughout our lives. So when you're looking at a picture, you're going to look at the most obvious thing and your brain's going to try and find a face in that picture. Of course, obviously, if you do see a face and it is something that's obvious, then you need to have something else to back it up. So if you've been investigating, you've got a good picture, then have some other evidence to back it up. That's great. Throw that out as well. Because if you just throw a picture at me, I'm going to turn around and say, it's a pareidolia. I'm really sorry, but, you know, you've got nothing yeah. else to back it up
1: we do and, and it's
2: hard because there could be something in that picture that is that's genuine right.
1: and spirit orbs is another one isn't it oh god orbs oh the <laughs> amount of questions we get on on orbs oh my god it it's it's a spirit it's no it's dust, it's dust. get over yeah. it it's yeah. just it's, dust
2: it may be if you've seen something with the naked eye i mean we've yeah. seen we've seen lights that move with the naked eye yeah. and you can see it move then that could be something in it but if you're yes. taking a picture and it's there it's going to be particulate matter close to your lens is reflecting off the lens. It's just kind of dust. and it's trying your hardest to get people to understand that. Yeah. But, um, I've got off track now. And I? these
1: TV shows don't help because so many of them, Oh my gosh, you know, that there's, Oh, look at all the orbs. It's, it's paranormal. It's the spirit trying to get through. Oh, or then they throw the know, demon into them. Oh, it's, it's, it's always a demon. Oh, a there's demon. always a demon. It's, a, you, yeah. you know, the amount of TV shows I've seen where they talk about it's demonic why is it demonic they never go into why they think it's demonic oh you know oh my god I, i've walked in and there's an evil presence here and it's demonic
0: i was gonna i was gonna say that uh there's been uh, like there's, there's a number of places in, in england alone there's a a number of places that are quite uh high profile haunted locations and that obviously they've all been covered by the the normal investigators that are on the telly and there's been shows made about them. But have you ever gone to any of those locations and had, you know, completely different uh, experiences?
2: I'm trying to think, where have I been? Blickling,
1: we've done, well, we didn't investigate in Blickling because we couldn't, couldn't afford it, in. to be honest.
2: <laughs> I wouldn't let us in.
1: We couldn't, um, you know, it's too expensive for, for the average little the team. only
2: way you can get into these venues, um, a lot of them is, is to actually go on an organised ghost hunt yeah at all yeah um yeah. we don't do organized ghost no. hunts. the reason why is because if i if we, or we gather any evidence at this venue and we're in there with 30 other people i cannot say whether or not it's somebody else in the party that's no. made the noise you
1: can't. i've got impossible. no way
2: of proving that any evidence that i've collected is genuine because i cannot account for everybody that's there i'd love to be able to go to do like mm. a 30 east drive and um, Kelvin and Hatch Bunker and all the other ones that oh, people yeah, go to. But
1: yeah. the fact of the that, matter is... It's hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of pounds,
2: pounds to try and hire a venue. And... You know,
1: we're, we're kind of little, well, little folk in, in a very yeah. big uh, paranormal world and we haven't got hundreds and thousands of pounds to, to throw at places to go and just stand there for an evening. We, we physically can't afford it. The only way we could possibly do it, as Nigel says, is to get 30 people in, 15, 20 quid a ticket... You know, but then it, it jeopardizes everything mm. that that our heart is 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 set out and on. Our...
2: That's what we're not there for. I and mean, I don't yeah. don't get me wrong. I don't have anything against organized events. I think it's it's a good doorway into like looking at the paranormal and understand how some of us and yeah. well, some of these event yeah. organizers are very very good because mm. they set the thing up and it's brilliant. Well, They're we've great, been yes. to we've
1: been to one, haven't we? And yeah. that was fun. We enjoyed that. It was good fun.
2: Big. Yeah, but we, we couldn't. We were going to film all that. Yeah, we, and do it, was as a video. it was too much noise. Too much noise. We couldn't, couldn't do it. No, you know? we, could, we it couldn't just like, do it. It's nice for entertainment
1: this. though. It's yeah. fun. I mean, I've been to a Blickling Hall in Norfolk,
2: which yep. is
1: famous um, for the um, birthplace of Queen Anne Boleyn. She yep. the second queen of Henry the Eighth, I think. Yep. Oh, my goodness, I've got it right. Can't believe it. But um, my history is usually. I'm terrible. thinking
2: now. Yes, it was Catherine Barragon then Anne Boleyn. Yes, it was. But. Yeah. Um,
1: Blickling is a fascinating building. Absolutely love it. You know, it's it's a nice place um, to visit. We cannot afford to investigate there, unfortunately, but I've walked around there myself, um, you know, just just as a paying customer, if you will. Yeah. And, you know, there are certain places where um, a lady is meant to be seen and Anne Boleyn is, is meant to be seen, even though she wasn't born in Blickling Hall. Um, the land that it was built on was where her original property used to be, where yeah. she was born and raised as a child. And it's fascinating because of that particular place, I saw a painting and it draws me in every single time of this chap with a ruff around his neck. And um, every time I see him, I get this stabbing pain in my chest and I never understood why. And I used to walk out of the room and walk back in again and look at this painting and think, is it in my head? is it me you know is it some kind of i don't know psychosomatic response i i really don't know but i asked one of the guides there and i said you know i keep getting you know I, tell me the history of this chap you know and she said to me oh he was he was stabbed through the heart in in a duel and he died really interesting mm. i didn't know any yeah. of this but every time and on several visits i walked past this very fa- this very painting of this chap in the 1500s or whenever it was And yeah, I kept getting a real bad pain here. And I was thinking what on earth, you know, like an extremely painful stitch. And yeah, make yeah. of that what you will. He made
2: it back to Brickling Hall and he actually died in the hall. Yeah, it's fascinating. Because sometimes um, he's one of the ones that you can actually hear groaning sometimes as he dies. Oh, I didn't
1: know that. Yeah,
2: But let's you know, so say, that's that's one of the ones that I have sort of picked up when I've got them and spoken to them. Like oh. the same, you know, it's not in the books. The books are all about ambeline and the headless ambeline with the yeah. headless horses and in the carriage. And I think and all her
1: father is, is meant to be seen as well. Yeah, he's sort of, he
2: turns up as well. It's meant to be
1: full of ghosts, full of ghosts. But ghosts aside, the history of that place and, and walking around, absolutely absolutely beautiful mm. and especially yeah. they have things like Christmas and things like that traditional uh, Christmas and it's it's wonderful it's really nice
0: it's yeah. a good place to go to. I'm not
1: on commission by the way but I do love it there <laughs> with
0: with older buildings um um but kind of my favorite thing is castles and, yes. and manor houses medieval you know that kind of era uh, they've have a lot of history and you know people with these older houses you know all those years ago They'd have families that live in them, and generations and generations of people would live in them, and there'd be all sorts going on—people being murdered, and you know, being born and dying, and all that stuff. What's your thoughts on the uh, the emotions of 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 those generations, and and do you think that they, in some way, impact in on the environment, maybe the building or the atmosphere of the building, and that those that you know, not everyone, but some people can go in there and act as a kind of catalyst to either feel or experience or even see an apparition, you know, that, that maybe lived a hundred years ago, 500 years ago.
2: That's interesting because you then fall into one of those, one of those theoretical territories that people laugh at, but then to me as always some kind of, uh, grounding to it and that's stone tape theory mm-hmm. um originally yeah. uh bbc play from the 1970s um but there have been prior to that there had been some research into the possibility and um it does tend to be older buildings that you find in many, because they are built of natural stone which can contain yeah. all sorts yeah. of elements and
1: wattle and door
2: all old stuff all natural stuff cattle
1: poo and straw and <laughs> That's pretty natural, isn't it? must have been pretty stinking.
2: <laughs> but when you look at the stone, um, is there some kind of matrix in that stone that holds that stuff in there? Um, years ago, we used to record things on cassette tapes, and cassette tapes, I yes. do believe, are ferrous oxide, which is like this metallic element. Mm-hmm. What if some way the stones of buildings contain elements like ferrous oxide, like quartz, or anything like that that's got mm-hmm. the ability to record this emotion.
1: Absolutely. Yep.
2: This is the thing we're talking about. And we, um, we'll throw Evelyn Hollow into the mix again. She's a Scottish parapsychologist that we spoke to recently. She has a theory about um, consciousness and quantum theory where consciousness is not, it's an energy of sorts. So what if the stone could store this energy of sorts and record it in there and certain people have the ability to press the play button. So I could walk into a building and get absolutely nothing. At all, yep. Okay. Okay. Mm, mm. Jules could walk into a building and have that ability because she's more psychically attuned. She's got the ability to press the play button and hear some of the information that's contained in those stones. So is that possible? That to me is intriguing because, okay, it's theoretical. Some people could say, use the word pseudoscience because, oh, it's not true and all that lot. But to me, it's got that essence of it's a possibility because, like I said, there's so much happened in that space so much trauma so much history so many things going if a traumatic experience does generate that kind of energy that screams really loudly and is loud enough to be recorded into the stone then are we going to be able to go back and play that so that's what i find really interesting about it so yeah that's that's intriguing i really like that idea whether or not it's true i don't know but i think it's got grounds definitely
0: well interestingly enough um we go back uh, to the 1980s uh, have you ever heard of an experiment that was ta- uh, that took place by two um well one i think they were electrical engineers in wales called uh, the talking wars experiment no this was this was something that was taken took place in uh kenfig in the prince wales pub which is a 15th century building uh and uh they have a, a building out the back so it's a function room now uh and back in the day uh the the barman the owner was complaining that at night he would lock the place up and he would hear noises from the what was the function room a uh, little bit of research uh back in the day in in the fifteenth century that building was used as a a village court so people would be sentenced to death there there would be hearings there you know that, that kind of yeah. stuff um so uh, these two two guys electrical engineers they came up with the theory that like we just spoke about that maybe that uh, the building could hold memory. It could, you know, it was like a giant tape recorder because of the stone, the quartz, and the and the limestone and all that that was built off. That it was holding could hold energy. So they came up with a theory that what if we charge those walls with ten, twenty, thirty thousand volts of electricity? What would be released? So they went. So they got that okay from the barman because uh, he wanted an answer. And they put these electronic probes into the walls. Around the building, they locked the doors. They left recorders in there, and then they charged with a generator. They charged these building the building for a number of minutes, and then just switched the power off and just left it. Some of the recordings that they that they captured are completely bizarre. You can hear people talking in old Welsh. You can hear what sounds like a television. You can hear um, uh, sounds like a, a a drawbridge. Or a chain being chain wound up and one of the great things is i have a copy of these original recordings oh, so i'm brilliant. quite happy to send to you oh, so you can have please. a listen fantastic. because yes. the the two guys that did it they were in conversation because back in those days you would record everything on cassette and send it and they were researching it and i was quite fortunate to have a, a copy of this and it is it i mean, I mean obviously it's de- degraded a little bit but you can really hear what's going on and it is completely fascinating so my my point is telling you that little story is that also um a news crew went back to the pub a few years ago and they did a news report and they actually caught a phenomenon in the building they locked the building they put a recorders in there and in the morning the engineer went back and retrieved the recorders and they recorded uh, what sounded like um a walking stick being tapped on the wooden floor or maybe a judge's hammer being knocked down Mm. So yeah, I mean maybe buildings do in some way have some sort of audio memory, yeah. and under right conditions, uh, that we we that they're played back. So going on from that, I was going to ask you what are your thoughts on uh, apparitions and uh, people seeing, uh, you know, alleged people from the past. I mean, for example, the 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 one of the classic cases is the uh, the chap that was driving home uh, down in the I think it was the south of England, and he looked at a to the right and he looked in the field and there was a what he he described as a a medieval man on a horse riding across a field and he looked straight at him and then he just the the guy just vanished
2: so what's your thoughts on apparitions and stuff well um we've got some classic apparition tales we can do haven't we yeah because i've my introduction to the paranormal what really got me interested in it was actually seeing an apparition myself um oh, really? I was living in a village called Brundle in Norfolk with my parents and I'd been to watch Norwich City football match on a Saturday afternoon. Never mind. I know well I wasn't, I wasn't I'm, not, <laughs> I'm not a fan I just want to watch the, watch the <laughs> game but um, I was with my friend Steve and we came out of the station it was November and we were walking up the uh, road towards his house and there was a girl in front of us in a school uniform it was a Saturday afternoon in November and she had a blouse on and we're like really weird what's that girl like she's just a blouse in november followed up the road and a little bit further up there's another road junction where it goes into a road called station new road and along the side of the road there's like all these bushes the girl disappeared into the bushes so me and my friend steve said where'd that girl go we weren't very far behind her so we sort of jogged up looked to see where she'd gone she obviously thought she'd gone through a gateway in this hedge there's no gateway It's just a hedge of brambles Hmm. and bushes and stuff. There's a house in the distance, but there's no way she could have got through that hedge across that bit of lawn into that house before we actually got up behind her, which she thought was really, really odd. So we sort of disappeared home quite quickly because that spooked us a little bit. We went down the local pub that night and was regaled with the town. Now, whether this is true or not, I don't know. I've got a sneak suspicion. It was a, the person in the bar just winding up to gullible teenagers. But he told us that there'd been an accident on that road and a young girl had been hit by a hit and run drive in the 1970s and left her dead in the hedge where we saw the girl disappear into. And you're like, oh, God, really, really, really creepy. That? I did try to, but we couldn't find anything. Oh. That's the thing, which makes me think it was just someone winding up a couple of gullible kids. But in uh, a phrase that comes from one of my favourite podcasts, I know what I saw. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, yeah, there's no denying it. We saw that girl. Two of us witnessed it. And, yeah, I have no idea what it was. Really mm,
1: don't. Your father had an experience, didn't My he father
2: well? um, had an experience as well. We used to live a in A famous one. And there's a road in Kent called Bluebell Hill. And Bluebell Hill is renowned right, yeah. for the ghost of a girl who died in a car accident there before her wedding. And there's been numerous occasions where this young lady has flagged down vehicles and vehicles have stopped. She's actually got physically got into vehicles. They've yeah, given yeah. off and then she's disappeared or she stopped vehicles and they've gone to let her into the vehicle and she disappears. My dad was an ambulance driver and they were coming back from a call. They weren't required to take the person to the hospital. So they were returning back to their station, they were then going up bluebo towards Maidstone and they saw a woman. It was raining early hours of the morning. They saw a woman standing at the side of the road looking quite forlorn So my dad said, we better stop, make sure she's okay. So they stopped the ambulance. His crewmate, Don Dillon, went down the window and said to her, can we give you a lift? Are you okay? And she nodded her head. So my dad got out to go and open the back door of the ambulance. This girl was following them. He opened the back door of the ambulance, turned around to say get into the ambulance, and she'd gone. They looked up and down the road, (laughs) couldn't see her anywhere, disappeared into thin air.
0: I find those uh, stories of like the Phantom hitchhiker and and stuff like that i th- I find them even more uh fascinating it's all very well that you're driving down the road and you pull over and then you look around and the person's gone yeah. but when the actual ghost or apparition physically interacts with something you know solid matter like a door and opens the door or gets on the back of your motorbike and you can feel their hands around your waist and then you ride off and you can see them in your mirror and then they're gone yeah uh that that there's another level of whatever's going on yeah. there. Yeah. As we say, when you, people see a ghost, they, they don't always know they've seen a ghost because, you know, apparitions, ghosts, they seem like real exactly. people.
2: They're there doing what an normal person would do. My schoolgirl was just walking up the road on her way home from school. If she hadn't disappeared into the hedge, we'd have thought nothing of it. And it's the fact that you did something out of the ordinary that made you think, what the hell's going on there? You with yeah. your aeroplane.
1: Oh, yes. The Norwich Airport. Yes, that's true. I was just driving along, normally as you do, and I had Norwich um, International Airport, my right hand side, and it was a busy day, sun was shining, and um, I, I was just glancing up, and I looked at the sky, I was, uh, you know, uh, coming up towards the airport where uh, the road goes from two lanes into one, and um, as I looked up, I saw um, what looked like a bomber plane, and I saw the sun glint on it it was a solid object but I thought that's strange because there was no sound and nobody else seemed to notice it it was bizarre and I kept I was watching this thing obviously trying to watch the road as well I hastened to point out because I was driving but I was slowing down because the, the traffic had come to a stop and I saw this plane go over passed across over my car heading away from the airport and it was a beautiful like sort of a bright silver underneath. And it looked completely solid. And I looked away, you know, because the traffic started to move. I looked up again, nothing. Just absolutely nothing. And it, I still, to this day, I have no idea. But apparently, apparently there has been aircraft sightings, whether it's some kind of time rift, time lapse Uh situation, I don't know. But other people... Have you know mentioned and documented seeing rogue aircraft? And I went to there's a very little museum behind Norwich Airport. Not a lot of people know about it, but it's it's really interesting place. And you can have a look at old World War II stuff, you can go and walk around some of the craft and look in the Nimrod. All these kind of things if you want to. They have specialist open days where you can go and sit in a, a fighter jet and, and, and things like that. But I was talking to some of the volunteers there about my experience. Yeah. And, you know, they were explaining to me um, that that particular airfield during the Second World War did have bombers there, which isn't really heavily documented
2: it was American Air Force Base. That yeah. Was, had B-24 Liberator bombers there. I had there. no idea. The, no, when they started the war, they were olive drab. But towards the end of the war, when they had superiority, the planes were left in their natural silver colour. So
1: yeah, <laughs> see, because really because odd. I didn't know yeah. that. I, yeah. oh, there's no way I could have known that. I oh, no. You know? Well, because it's, it's not common knowledge. But I definitely saw it. But it, it looked like... A solid plane in the sky it didn't look like a a ghost plane or anything you know it wasn't see-through or anything like that it just looked like a normal plane in the sky and you know as I said the 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 sun glinted and caught the wing so to me it Mm -hmm. looked like a completely solid object the only reason why I questioned number one it was an old-fashioned plane and not many well I don't how many bomber planes are actually still able to fly in the sky none of that type one
2: yeah, I mean we've got Lancasters really? and a bit about the of yeah. Britain flight, but there's no there's only one American Air Force plane, and that's the Sally B, and that's stationed at Duxford. Is and that's it? not Silver, that's Olive Drab. Okay. Yeah, well, that's the only And one. the other
1: thing that question I questioned was was the lack of sound. No because noise. They're, they're really loud, noisy. Yeah.
2: <laughs> four four engine plane noisy. is very loud. Yeah. 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 And
1: that was that was strange.
2: So yeah, apparitions are fantastic. Um yeah. they appear, I mean the ones that really fascinate me are the crisis apparitions that people get before yeah. somebody dies or when someone has died and they appear to them uh-huh. as well and there's loads of classic examples of those as well and
1: we need to cover that in our podcast yeah it'd be a good one we to sort of look that. at yeah Ooh. but it's really
2: <laughs> i can't explain it are we hallucinating no because no. on the occasions the, the two occasions that i mentioned there were there were two witnesses there was myself and my friend Steve. And there was my dad and his crew crewmate Don. So, can you say that two of us were having the oh, same the same hallucination? I don't know.
0: I remember a story: uh, two young girls, not t- teenagers. Uh, they lived. They had a housemate, a guy uh, in England. They went to, to holiday in India, uh, and this is this is documented. This you know in a book. Uh, they went to holiday in India, and they were staying in different places. And one night they were in their room because they were moving around. Uh, they were in their room just relaxing, and all of a sudden their um, uh, their, their their housemate runs through the door, uh, comes up to them waving his hands, uh, and then he vanishes. And they, you know, for a moment they're thinking, "What's he doing here? He shouldn't be here. He should be back in England." Mm. So they got they called through to the you know to the home and at that moment the guy had had a problem something had happened which was quite you know serious uh but at the same time uh, that he'd appeared to them in their hotel room in india
1: it does make you wonder because you know could it could it be we we don't know enough about the human brain yet because we you know there's, there's a vast percentage of the human brain that isn't actually used or we believe isn't actually used. So, you know, there are things about the human brain we don't know. And could it be some kind of projecting of extreme emotion when somebody's in yep. distress? I mean, you hear amazing things about what the human body can do. You hear of cases where, you know, an adrenaline surge and people can lift up cars and and things like that but you know it it just fascinates me about the human brain and what can it actually yeah, do
2: there's so much tied up in yeah here, we need to it? do
1: some more experiments and and really find <laughs> out what it can do yeah,
2: be careful doing experiments with I people's know. brains otherwise. i know i
1: wanted to do the god helmet but nigel wouldn't let From me Persinger,
2: yeah
0: going on to experiments and the human mind and the human brain uh i used to do i used to be quite into uh, EVP research for this is a number of years ago and I, yeah, I had some responses and I had what sounded like normal people having a conversation in a room or talking to me and are answering questions and that kind of get, made me you know take a step back for a while because that kind of stuff does scare you yeah, a little yeah, yeah. um well it did me anyway because I was only like in my late 20s uh, and still a bit jokey about it like whoa let's talk to ghosts and then it something happens and you're like oh I didn't expect that. Yeah. Uh, but. My point is that when you talk about the mind and, you know, w- w- the way that uh, we don't really understand it fully, well, what's your thoughts on the the poltergeist phenomenon and, uh, you know, and uh, mind over matter, should we say, or is it just simply we have something in us when we're born, when we're young, that's, that as you say, when we get older, we lose that ability and we don't, you know, we don't know that we're doing it, but maybe we're the ones that are causing this phenomenon or is there... Do you think there's something else that's maybe causing it?
2: That's really interesting. Um, children certainly more susceptible to mm. the, the paranormal. The um, classic example is people with invisible friends. You know, um, you chat to an invisible friend, and they sometimes they describe the invisible friend, and you're like, "Well, hang about, that doesn't sound like." you know something yeah. you've made up that sounds something very in well, depth children
1: are so open minded aren't they? Yeah. they they don't really question they're completely they haven't been tainted by society no, you've not been
2: programmed to think no yeah. that's not right you know yeah. you actually think to yourself well that is there and I can see this yeah. so it's very really in my mind's eye because I can see it but um yeah poltergeists are one of those very weird things because they um there's an awful lot of research gone into looking at them, and they do tend to sort of follow a certain pattern where um, the phenomena starts low, at low level, being knocking noises, banging noises, things like that. And then that slowly starts to escalate into other things. Um, there are two classic cases uh, that you can sort of touch on. One of them is the one that um, Danny Robbins covered in... Uh, BBC Sounds podcast for the Battersea Poltergeist, which is a completely fascinating story. The fact they managed to talk to Shirley, the lady that's still alive as well, which makes it even more interesting. And that was one that followed the classic pattern um, of escalation, where it was noises, and then other things would happen. There were fires, there were objects, supports that appeared. Um, they got writing, it spoke to them. There were so many different it built and built and built. And another classic is the Enfield Poltergeist, which mm-hmm. was then heavily um, documented by, oh God, was it the SPR, I think, that did an investigation into yeah, it. it um, and yeah. the yeah. same again. Maurice That's right. Yeah. It started with the same thing again, where you've got the knockings and noises and it escalates into a lot more things. Um, objects being moved around, quite heavy objects as well. The children, whether or not you believe it, being thrown into the air, because there's a classic one the girl being thrown through the air picture, but it looks like mm-hmm. she's jumping off a of bed. To a certain degree, the girls at the Enfield case did admit they did actually do things to try and sort of it along a bit, but they didn't do all of the things. It was only some of the things they did to try and wind up the investigators, they said, for laugh. And Shirley from the Battersea Poltergeist one said she never did anything at all to actually sort of um, wind the people up and never sort of faked or anything. Everything that happened was genuine. So you've got to ask yourself... Was it something that they can do? Do they have some kind of power in that sort of stage where they're both sort of coming over from teenage girls into adulthood? Is there something in the hormonal change that does that? Or is it something there that latches onto the fact that they are there and it latches onto their change and things? Because they do tend to happen, I think I'm right in thinking I may well be wrong here, they do tend to happen more to girls than blokes. The protocast experience is more sort of female thing than a male thing. So it yeah, I wonder uh, whether or not that is the case, you
0: know. Hmm. So okay, so we're coming to the end of this episode now, but I I have to ask the um uh the the burning question and it's the question that uh, I always ask everyone I think. I think I've asked it in one way or another. Uh what's your interpretation of a ghost? What do you think a ghost is? Ooh. That's
2: a good one. Mm. Um
1: I have mixed views on that. Um, I think a ghost can be residual, which is the classic term for um, a recording. And I think you get um, spirits of loved ones as well. Um, Einstein actually mentioned the fact, although he wasn't a believer in the paranormal, he mentioned that energy cannot end. So, you know, when whatever makes us us, you know, when we die, where does that energy go? So, and there's been various experiments of um, so-called, wh- which experiment was it? The gram e- experiment? Oh, the well, weight weighed, of
2: weighed the, the soul, 21 yeah. grams, where you weighed a person before they died and weighed them after they died. Yes. And um, you there know, was the, the difference. difference was 21 grams. So yeah.
1: I think a ghost, I think there's, there's different variations of ghost. I think a ghost is the spirit of, of a person. Is my interpretation but i also think you can get residual hauntings as well um which is primarily a recording in time mm. you know um which is when i talk about quantum theory and and, and things like that uh, that is my interpretation of a ghost what about you Night? yeah i mean I,
2: I think you're on the right track though. i think um you can you can categorise it. I mean, I, you, we, we love putting things the categories. That's what humans do because you want to fit it into a certain box. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think where you have a repetitive action that goes over and over and over again, the classic example being the Roman soldiers marching through the cellar in yes. York. and That's a residual. You're getting a, either a recording um, that may be recorded in the element of the building around you. We are talking about stone tape earlier on that's been triggered. Or it could be as Jules says, where two parallel universes touch and you're getting that momentary glimpse into that other world uh, into another time frame something happening there so
1: an intelligent haunting when you get something that communicates exactly
2: with you, you get that back it, to. it's you. almost yeah. like
1: a soul it's, it's almost like somebody that you are communicating with
2: and the fact that they understand us and they talk to us and they react to us must make you think in some way previously perhaps they were human so and it's
1: on response So, yeah. I mean, some of the experiments we've done where we're getting communication on response, response yeah you know be it on the spirit box uh, you know uh, noises sounds whatever words or be it tappings if you're getting it on response something's going on
2: yeah so is it the mm. fact that it is a disembodied soul for all intents and purposes that is stuck in some kind of limbo that can't move on or doesn't want to move on um yeah it's it's that topic that we all love that topic that we all want to we all want the answer place.
1: that's why we're doing this
2: <laughs> yeah we yeah. love looking Definitely. and we have theories but you know in the long run all we can do is go out investigate do our research and present what we have to people and that's say right. this is what we have on offer what do you think have a look and see what you think
0: well i think uh that's uh that's a wrap for this episode because uh uh, we've been going for oh, quite a while, actually, <laughs> and we've covered some very interesting topics. And so I think I'm going to have to definitely get you guys back again because uh, 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 there's, there's a lot more there to learn. Definitely. But uh, so what, what's in store for your uh, Out There Paranormal? What's in store for 2022? What? Are, where are you going to be doing any Any project? Yeah, OK, Lots. we've
2: rebooted. Um, <laughs> we started a project um, just before lockdown called Ghost Airfields, where we're going back to uh, a lot of the old American air bases in Norfolk and telling the stories of the air bases. And what we're saying is we're going to talk to the ghosts of the past and see what echoes remain. Um, And it's difficult because you don't want to um, upset people by going back and talking to possibly a up on airmen that might be there yeah,
1: we, we have to be sensitive we have to be sympathetic towards but we want yeah. to tell
2: the stories because there are so many amazing stories we
1: don't want them attached to those forgotten. air bases we
2: don't want them forgotten mm. so we're going to be doing that and um, we're on. going to continue with our uh, Towers of haunted norfolk we're okay. going to go on and do more Towers of haunted norfolk where we're going to touch on more of our local stories and go and investigate those sites as well yep and um, we'll be doing some more podcast bits and pieces. Loads
1: of podcasts. We love telling stories. You know, we, we have some fascinating podcasts. So anybody that's thinking, oh, you know, what am I going to do? You know, I'm a bit, bit bored, got nothing to do. Relax, drive home. Listen to us telling our stories. We have some fascinating ghost stories. We do have
2: some fascinating ghost, and we've got some incredible videos on our YouTube channel as well, if you like. And, to and Amazon
1: us. Prime are on there too. You can't get away Amazon from Prime. us. There's no escape. Out there is everywhere. We
2: are out there. We are
0: everywhere. <laughs> I will make sure that all of your links go out with this episode, Very so we can uh, Thank you. track you down and find out. But anyway, so thanks again, Nigel and Juliet. Thank you for coming on uh, Para Talk. Uh, I'm sure this is not. Uh, your first and only appearance. I'm sure you'll be back. Uh, And thanks to everyone for giving it a listen. And I hope you enjoyed it. And until next time, I'll talk to you soon. Bye. Bye.